HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 25th. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to everyone. This is the 88th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a dynamic professional chef who specializes in cooking for and with children. I will introduce her in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to be a mentor. Seek to assist others and pass along your knowledge. Advising those with less experience will not only help their careers and pursuits, but it will enhance your skills and make you feel good. So practice mentorship. The mentor-mentee relationship can be very rewarding. That's my tip today. Now, I am thankful to have my guest calling in today. It is Cricket Azima. She is the founder and big cheese of The Creative Kitchen, teaching children and parents about food and how to cook in a fun, safe, and educational manner. Cricket is also the founder of Kids Food Festival, a celebration to educate children on how to make balanced food choices, and she's the author of Everybody Eats Lunch and Everybody Can Cook. So hello, Cricket. Are you out there? I am. Thank you so much for having me, Sherry. Happy early Thanksgiving to you, too. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. I'm excited to have you on the show. And so thinking back, I believe we met uh, 
in the late 90s when we were both at NYU Food Studies program getting working towards masters. Um, is that right? Is my memory Indeed right? It is. <laughs> it, it feels like forever ago, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that no. No, I, re- I loved being part of that program and I mean, I I know you went through and and fully you 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 did a thesis and you graduated and everything and I ended up taking a leave of absence and 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 just taking always wishing to go back but um anyways I I was reading uh, about when you started the creative kitchen and it was in 2003 and that's when I started my company so it was like our our we started the same place and then our careers went different different directions so why don't, why don't we start out a little more with like, well, so your background and, and how you got to NYU and then what led you to open the Creative Kitchen? Sure. So um, before I was uh, focused in the culinary industry, I was focused on special events. Um, and in particular, I was working in D.C., um, working on political events. So as you can imagine, doing events and cooking with kids, um, with all due respect to politicians, uh, it was a little bit more fun. <laughs> a little, possibly. <laughs> um, I, you know, and, and it was a natural segue um, from, from events. Uh, my favorite part of special events were, were the culinary aspects. Um, and I was at a cross point in my career, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to become a chef, open a restaurant, something on that end of the spectrum, or become a kindergarten teacher. And uh, I had an aha moment and said, well, why don't I combine the both? Um, Some of my favorite memories from my childhood, whether during the Montessori classroom or recreationally, was, was cooking. So... That's that's what led me in, in this direction. Um, with regard to NYU, uh, I actually, right before NYU, I did my professional culinary degree at Peter Kump, which is now the Institute of Culinary Education, ICE. Right. Um, and even there in my, in my externship hours, I was focused on um, kids and food. And at NYU, I also focused uh, all of my papers, my thesis, uh, every... every talk was on uh, kids' cookbooks, uh, what kids can learn from cooking, how kids uh, can um, benefit from cooking in general. I was the annoying, hyper-focused kids' cooking person uh, even back then. And, and I think that's fabulous because I think what you do is so important and uh, it's impressive that, I, I don't know, just the knowing knowing you in the direction you've gone and everything you're doing to help kids eat better and learn how to cook. So um, I give you I give you a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's also it's lots of fun. So it's it's satisfying and um, and and fun at the same time. Well, that's good. So with the Creative Kitchen, for people who aren't familiar with it, what what services do you offer and and where are you located and tell me more about it sure so um the creative kitchen uh we for the most part we host kids cooking classes that are hands on we teach ages 2 and up uh with a focus really on ages 2 through tween um we have weekly classes um at different venues around new york city Um, And then we have our largest event, which is the Kids Food Festival, where we host about 15 or 16,000 people in Bryant Park annually. Um, So we do our our hands-on classes, 
which which can be as small as 12 kids, and then our largest event is about 16,000. So we really run the gamut. Um, in our cooking, we really try to teach more than just a recipe. We, we really pepper in, pardon the food pun, Cherry, but we pepper in as much math and science and geography, history, nutrition, social studies, art, um, language and reading skills, uh, as many of the uh, traditional uh, educational disciplines that we can um, incorporate into the recipe, as well as de- developmental skills. We also have a focus on um, some classes that we host for special needs children. I have an eight-year-old son with multiple disabilities, and um, it's it's been lovely to learn how to adapt what I was already doing um, so that he could participate as well as uh, other kids with various abilities. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I was looking on your website, and there is your, I guess it's maybe your philosophy being about you're learning more than a recipe. You're tying in lots of fundamentals for, for children. Absolutely. And, you know, um, we really are, our recipes are all fruit vegetable and whole grain based. So the kids are all learning nutrition and um, learning to love their fruits and vegetables uh, in, a, in a fun and, and hands-on way, um, hopefully, you know, getting them to their, their daily diets more readily as well. Are the kids that are attending your classes, are there, are there regulars or are they usually new time people just taking a one-time class? You know, we really get a mixture. We have some children that are enrolled in weekly classes, <clears throat> excuse me, and have been enrolled in our weekly classes for, for years, in fact. Um, and then other classes, just based on the nature of, of the venue, are more um, one-off, special event-type classes, and so we see a lot of new faces. Uh, what's really lovely, though, is is to see sibling number three in some families um, coming back to, to the cooking classes and, and seeing how the recipes that we cook with the kids get adopted into the, the family's uh, dinner repertoire. So it, it's, it really feels feels good, and I, and I hope it tastes good for them, too. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. And I was going to ask you, with, with the curriculum, since you've been doing this now for a dozen years, how has that changed, or how have you seen food and kids, their relationship with food change, if at all, over the years? Well, um, there's a, I can take that a couple different directions. For take me, it whichever one you how want. How <laughs> it changed the most from when I started cooking uh, classes with kids was really, uh, you know, learning from my son. Um, I mentioned he has multiple disabilities. He's actually nonverbal, so we have. We have adapted the curricula so that kids, um, we, we turned all of our recipes into pictorial recipes so that children or adults, for that matter, um, who are nonverbal or, or who just learn better with the visual supports can participate. So that's probably the, the most overt way. Um, but in terms of the kids, uh, it's been really interesting and, and fun to see the kids get more excited about cooking than in traditional ways that you think of where girls were creating cookies or making cupcakes. Uh, I'm seeing more and more boys get excited about cooking 
maybe this has to do also with the uh, cooking channel and food network uh, popularity. I think that families often watch that together. Um, you have Master Chef Junior and uh, those those shows where where kids are the chef stars and, and they're they're role models. So it's it's been exciting to see more and more kids get excited about uh, the cooking activity for for I think a number of reasons. Um, and from an adult perspective or a parent perspective, it's really exciting to see the kids get more excited about cooking and and cook healthful recipes because then hopefully that also translates to them eating better uh, in general as well. Yeah, that's great. Now is so you have themed cooking classes such as. I think you have like colorful cooking. I mean, it all ties into making it fun. What's what's the most popular class that these days? And and also with the holidays, I'm assuming maybe did you do a Thanksgiving class? We did a Thanksgiving class actually last the whole week. Yeah, we did. Okay, um, a pumpkin themed class, um, but we. Um, uh, in general, our our most popular classes tend to be our toddler classes or early elementary classes. Um, I think one because it's really um, in addition to the parents <laughs> that are excited to figure out how to feed picky eaters, which of course you know they they tend to rear their picky eating heads around that toddler age. Um, but it's also it's really fun for the kids to. Um, practice their colors when they're uh, cutting the tomato. They can identify the red uh, and the, the green peppers, the yellow peppers. So we're, we're, again, back to that, the educational component that we're able to integrate into the cooking activity. We can really um, do that in a, in a fun way for the toddlers. They're practicing colors. They're counting the pieces they've cut. We're talking about shapes. The slice of tomato, back to the tomato, it's, it's round. The dice is a, is a square or a cube. Um, they're using their pinching fingers to pinch the pieces of the dice pepper. So there is some fine motor skill development. Um, you know, we're really we're able to integrate the developmental, the educational, and even the socialization and following directions. So those tend to be our most popular classes. That said, we have a lot of fun teaching the um, the upper early elementary, if you will, that third to fifth or sixth grade, um, because they they really are able to, sorry for another food pun, but bite into the subject even more. <laughs> um, you know, if, for example, we're making sushi, they're able to learn about um, how the, the rice is grown and what a staple food means and talk about culture and a lot of what you and I were doing back in food studies, um, but, t- you know, tailored down to an early elementary level. Um, we can learn science, talking about how the temperature of, of water when it boils um, when we're talking about rice, for example. So it's really, it's, it's uh, we have a lot of fun in all our classes, Sherry. That's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I'm wishing I was, I was a, a tween. <laughs> wishing I was a toddler. I could come along and, and learn. No, it's, 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 it's really, it's really great that you, you, you offer this. I, I think it would be, it would be fun to come. And learn and cook, all of the above. So, all right. So, on that note, let's take a little break here and uh, we're going to come back. So, stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Hi, this is Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. And you know, I remember my very first show, December 2009. It was a cold winter. And my first guest was William Grimes from the New York Times. Now, the one specific I had to tell him was, wear a hat, gloves, and a warm coat, because our studio had no heat. We had no heat in the winter. We had no air conditioning in the summertime. It was rough going, but we were a startup, and we had a good show, regardless of the fact that we could see our breath. So today, we still have hurdles to climb over, and the only way we can get there is with your help. So if you would please consider being a member and press that little beating heart button in the upper right-hand corner to donate. It's going to help us have heat and electricity and air conditioning and really good sound with really great guests. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Cricket Azima. She's the founder and Big Cheese at the Creative Kitchen and Kids Food Festival. So, Cricket, before you the, the break, you had briefly mentioned the Kids Food Festival, which um, I, I believe is, is coming up in the spring. So how did that come about? I mean, it's, it's quite a large festival now that you're doing. It is. It is. And um, it's lots of fun. I hope you can join us this year. We are hosting our next event uh, at the Winter Village in Bryant Park, March 5th and 6th. So we it's it, we have a little while, but in, in my world it's it's quickly approaching. So we're yes. already very busy uh, programming the fun events. Um, how did it come about? Well, it just seemed like there was a need for it. Um, we really took what we were doing uh, in our classes and and blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, our, our mission is to educate families on how to make balanced food choices through fun and engaging activities, which is what we're doing in our cooking classes at the Creative Kitchen in general. Um, the main educational component of the Kids Food Festival is an activity that we call the Balanced Plate Scavenger Hunt. So when families arrive at Bryant Park, they receive, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the My Plate um, which replaced the food pyramid in terms right. of teaching nutrition and balance to children. So kids or families receive a, a balanced plate that's pink. And as they go on the festival and engage with the different um, brands that are, are sampling foods or activities that are happening on the main stage or take a cooking class in the James Beard Foundation Future Foodies Pavilion, they get a stamp on their plate. Once their plate is fully balanced, if you will, then they uh, show our, our festival team members and, and they turned in for a, a goodie bag full of feature prizes. So the kids are learning while having a lot of fun and they're rewarded. So it's, it's really, it's, it's really amazing to watch, watch the kids have so much fun while learning. The parents are thrilled. I watched some kids go through the scavenger hunt three times, which was a, um, it made me feel good. It was a real testament to the fact that actually they're enjoying it and they're learning. <laughs> so, which is, it's a big feat. Um, we have a, a main stage where we have family programming that can range anywhere from, uh, traditional, traditional cooking demonstrations to puppet shows about fruits and vegetables or, um, sing-alongs, yoga. 
uh, all family programming related to to health and wellness. Um, and then we have our James Beard Foundation Future Foodies Pavilion, host 50 children at a time uh, and their adults. Um, and those classes are hands-on cooking classes where the kids are making from start to finish individual recipes, and those are led by uh, well-known chefs from New York City. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on my calendar. I'm thinking maybe I can get my niece and nephew to come down and, and participate. <laughs> I hope so. And you, you don't, you know, you can just be, uh, you can be a big kid and come anyway, Sherry. You don't well, need to a nephew. <laughs> I like being a, I like being a big kid and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I, yes, I would love to head down there and, and check it out. And, and Bryant Park is a fabulous location to be doing this, uh, as is anyway, you know, uh, it's a great place. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. Great. Now, another thing I, that you do is you work with different food companies and, and even schools and you, uh, be, beyond, beyond what's happening at the Creative Kitchen. So um, what, what type of services are you providing for, for companies? So, gosh, it really varies, um, truly from, from soup to nuts. When it, uh, you know, anything that touches the, the kids and, and family food world. Um, we've done content development from um, activities for brands uh, around food and cooking, uh, special events. Um, webisodes, spokesperson work, um, cookbook writing. Uh, really, we've we've run the gamut. Uh, I guess having been in this industry for well since 1999, this kids kids in food world. Um, there's there's little I haven't done. Comes <laughs> to kids in food. I, I've um, been a food writer, a, a food editor. Um, the Creative Kitchen has has really provided. Gosh, I I I wish I could pinpoint uh, two or three things that we specialize in. But honestly, Sherry, I, I like I like keeping things uh, mixed up and doing as many varied projects as we can. So pretty much anything that, that touches kids, family, and food, we get excited about. <laughs> yeah, is there is there a particular company you've recently worked with or someone that um, – I don't know, you're particularly, like, proud of, uh, like, working uh, the results or working with them or it was, um, uh, it's a long-going relationship or any anything we, like that? Yeah, we've had a very, very um, wonderful relationship with Whole Foods Market, and I'm very grateful for their friendship. Um, we, we've been providing kids cooking classes in the Whole Foods Market Tribeca location, um, for a few years now, and it's it's really nice because we're providing uh, programming for the for the community and for the store and the, and for the parents <laughs> who can then shop um, stress free as well. Uh, we'll do a, a class with the kids if they want to go and shop. So it's it's been a nice partnership for for Whole Foods, the parents, the kids, and the Creative Kitchen. So they 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 really stand out as um, one of my one of our, our favorite partners. They've been truly wonderful to us. Terrific. What do you What do you enjoy most about working with with kids? And and on the other side of that question is, what are the challenges, if if any? 
gosh. Um, the challenge may be my favorite part. <laughs> so <laughs> I can probably provide, I can combine the answer. Okay. <laughs> question. Um, I love when a child tells me that they don't want to eat something. <laughs> when a child squishes up their nose and tells me that they don't eat vegetables or that there's no way they're going to touch that green pepper or whatever the vegetable is, um, I really get pleasure and enjoyment out of figuring out how to relate to the child, how to make them comfortable with, with the food and get them to taste it. Because I'd say nine times out of ten, that won't be, that after that one taste, it's not their last. So it's a challenge, and it's a, you know, of course, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. You know, the next time I go and try to get a child to eat a pepper, they're going to say no. But I think they, they generally go ahead and, and try it um, and, and, and incorporate it into their diet. So that's yes. it's really gratifying to me. Yes, and I'm thinking you should teach adults, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know some adults that won't touch a green I pepper. Often, I often have to remind parents that they're role models to their kids. I've had parents come into the classes when they're picking up their children, and the parents are squishing their nose at one of the ingredients, or or uh, you know, whether it's fruits or vegetables, or, oh, you, you're using whole grain pasta, and they squish up their nose. And I have to remind the parents that, yes, yes, and it's delicious, and it's better for your body, and, and that they're role models, too, and, and the kids are watching them. And it's important that they remember that um, the kids are going to do as they do. So, you know, I, I really, and that's one of the things that we stress in our classes is that we're, we're really, um, our recipes are not uh, strictly developed for kids' palates. Sure, you would enjoy the recipe, and, and I eat them on a regular basis. They're, they're really, um, regardless of your age, they're delicious. So that after the kids enjoy making them and trying them in the class, they can make them at home as a family. So, I, you know, I think that it's really important that um, the parents remember that they're role models <laughs> and eat their fruits and vegetables, too. Yeah, good point. And this is a good segue into my question I had from last week when I had on Carol Chin. She's the vice president of culinary events at Octagon. And her question is, this generation of kids seems to only like to eat pasta with butter and cheese. How can this pasta be tweaked to make it healthier and more nutritious? So what I would say is uh, a couple things. First step is change that pasta to a whole wheat pasta um, or a whole grain pasta. There are so many different pastas on the market now. Kamut uh, has a pasta. Um, there's There are pastas made of of lentils, you know, just starting with that simple change is, is great. Um, I then also would recommend to parents that they let the kids choose one vegetable to add to their pasta with butter or cheese. So, for example, um, offering the child a choice between broccoli or green beans. And as a parent, you know, you're fine with either choice. <laughs> Um, and the, the kid's going to be excited because they have a vested interest. They chose that broccoli or those green beans, so they're going to be more likely to eat it. Then once they're, they're comfortable with that, have them choose a second vegetable. Um, you know, I, I think that adding on to foods that they're already comfortable with is a really, it's a simple, easy way to, to start incorporating more 
um, vegetables into the diet. And also, it really it makes the child feel safe as well. Excellent. All right. I think Carol will be pleased with your answer. I, and I've, I've learned something, too. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's great advice. Do you find that as well, that, that it is true that kids really do just want pasta with butter and cheese? I think, again, back to the whole parent and role model, I think it also goes back (laughs) to um, what the parent's offering to serve and what the parent is cooking. Um, You know, those kids are clever. And, um, you know, listen, I I have so many parents that say to me, well, my child is only eating mac and cheese and chicken fingers. And I ask them, well, what are you cooking at home? They say mac and cheese and chicken fingers. And I kind of stare at them and scratch my head and say, hmm, well, (laughs) have you tried serving something else? And you know what? You know, if the if the child is not eating it, um, and you go and cook something else, guess who won? The child. <laughs> you know. So uh, at the end of the day, as a parent, you're not a short order cook. Um, one hopes that you can cook one meal that the whole family will enjoy. And um, you know, getting I really back to the why we do what we do at the Creative Kitchen, but getting the kids involved in the cooking also will will make them more excited to eat whatever the food is. So uh, you know, as a parent, if you can if you can have the child help cut up the the broccoli that you're going to add to that mac and cheese or the pasta with butter, then then that just gets them a, a, a step closer to being comfortable with the vegetable and hopefully a step closer to eating it too. Excellent. Well said. On that note, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do my speed round and industry news discussion. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Cricket Azima. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, Cricket, is I'm going to name a couple things. They'll be either or choices, and you just pick your preference. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. It's easy. It's a fun game. Bring it on. Yeah, because you like fun. This is the fun. This is the super fun part of the show. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Hmm. Table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. How about cooking for kids or having kids cook for you? 
have kids cook for me. This is another another interesting one. How about Jiminy Cricket or Cricket the Sport? Ooh, Jiminy, of course. It's because I, I, you're the only cricket I know beyond Jiminy, who I don't know that well. <laughs> and watching cricket the sport is, is long. Okay. <laughs> Jiminy cricket is fun. All right. Excellent. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Excellent. Very good at the game. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <That's a> fun one. <laughs> So, um, industry news this week. Uh, actually, today I have two articles from the Wall Street Journal. So, the first one came out last week, and it was titled, Food Instagrammers Turn Their Accounts into Professions by Sophia Hollander. So, this is something I, I've seen and known about as a publicist, that um, watching how Instagram has, has changed and is kind of changing the game of PR and social media and how there's there's food Instagrammers who have tons of followers. I mean, talking like thousands, like tens of thousands. And they're now, you know, trying to earn some money doing it. And restaurants are inviting them in, uh, you know, to take pictures and post and paying them. So uh, what do you think of this this new trend? Well, you know, I think that um, there's <laughs> there's definitely a relation to the fact that people don't read much more anymore. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's if you think about it, I, I think it, it, Instagram is is it's definitely hot for a reason. Um, you know, I, I think that the 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 girls that were featured in the in the article um i think it's fascinating because they were very young um i think that whether it's a professional um you know a professional photographer the girls for example in the article that were 19 when they started their uh, their you know company i guess you'd call it yeah. their group or even just my neighbors taking pictures of their meal, or me. Last weekend, I found myself guilty of posting pictures of, of the spicy Malaysian crab that I was having. I think people enjoy um, sharing what they're eating as well. So, you know, I can see a, I can see that I don't think the trend's slowing down, Sherry. Do you? No. And and I, if you look on my Instagram feed, it's, it's 9 out of 10 shots are, are food. I mean, that's what I do, and it's tied to my job but it's it's i always think my work and social are combined and i love taking food pictures and posting them and but i i don't i'm you know the girls in the article were very young but i have found this as i've started making relationships with food instagrammers that a lot of them are in their early 20s and they just have a really good handle like like you know, food like uh, cooking in NY or restaurants in NYC or something. You know, eat out NYC, things like that. And they've got this massive following. And I definitely don't think the trend is going to slow down. I think people eat with their eyes. But I also still think that writing and words and reviews and you know and having experience—that's the one thing. Like having experience yeah. about food and restaurants is really important beyond just taking a photo of a greasy cheeseburger that looks delicious and, you know, makes people want it. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that, uh, you know, to that point, it was really important 
really understood in the NYU Food Studies program having the students, at least when, when, when I started, we had to have um, the practical cooking experience under our belts prior so that then we all shared the platform of, of food knowledge, of cooking knowledge, so that we could jump into a conversation and talk about a roux and we didn't have to go back over what a roux was. So, you know, I, I do think that the pictures are great. They're gorgeous. They look delicious. Um, but I think figuring out uh, or having the the viewer, the reader, the audience, whatever that person may be, um, also having an understanding of how it tasted. How was it made? Uh, was it, uh, you know, where, where did it come from? As in what farm? Is it organic? Um, yeah. Was all of those those the really platform? I don't know what word I'm looking for. Is it just having that uh, information about the dish is, is probably more important than how pretty it looks. I mean, we all know that you know you you can make uh, food photographers can make um, <laughs> lots of non-food things look delicious. Uh, you know, for the photographs too. So. Yes. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, social media, it's just going to keep changing. So we'll see, you know, months from now, years from now, what's what happens, what's the new thing. But this is definitely, you know, uh, was a, you know, a big deal to be in the Wall Street Journal talking about this. Absolutely. And the other article, so yesterday came out, I just, I got fascinated reading this, was how at Tavern on the Green, a holiday feat by Charles Passy, he's talking about how Tavern on the Green is preparing for its expected 1,600 guests for Thanksgiving and how Chef John Stevenson basically has to like, you know, it's all about timing and organization and prepping these 130 turkeys they're doing. And I just, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's crazy. I um I typically when I when I go home to Kansas City uh, or when I'm with my family whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas I'm cooking for thirty and that's enough for me. <laughs> thirty is a lot I, for for you know, someone I'm, at I'm home. About timing and I'm I'm really planning ahead and I'm working for two days on anything I can prep in advance and I can't imagine what Chef Stevenson is. <laughs> is doing right now i know and then in in the end of the article it said on friday they have 600 already on the books like it's not like he does tomorrow (laughs) and he gets the next day off (laughs) he's gonna need a nap on saturday (laughs) yeah and i think it's also i i think in new york a lot of people dine out on thanksgiving and major holidays i think that's something that's uh i don't know i didn't Growing up in Miami, I didn't know really people did that. In New York, it seems like it's a very popular thing. And Tavern on the Green is an extremely popular restaurant for these special occasions. And and they're charging $125 a person, 75 for kids. So it's like the, the it's like high expectations and just the quantity of people is um, – is, is, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't certainly even have words impressive. for it. it is yeah. Certainly impressive. <laughs> so I wish him the best. I wish everyone happy Thanksgiving. I'm, I hope it's. I hope it's fabulous. I'm sure. I'm sure with the setting and the food, it will be. So. Yeah. And it's time for another break. We're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. All in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Polly G's. Here's the rundown. Location, 60 Greenpoint Avenue in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. The concept, gourmet pizzeria where the wood-fired pies are topped with unusual locally sourced ingredients. The chef and owner, Polly G. Why did I go? Because I was due for a return visit to what may be my favorite pizza place in New York City, and I was in the area. My experience. I got in line at about 4.50 behind about 15 people who were already waiting for the 5 p.m. opening. Once the doors opened, I was seated at a two-top. I ordered right away and was able to catch up a bit with Polly, who always walks around to greet the tables. What did I get? Hellboy Pizza. It had fresh mozzarella, Italian tomatoes, Berkshire, Berkshire Soppressato, Picante, Parmigiano Reggiano, and Mike's Hot Honey. My take. Yum. What a combo. The scene. Pizza lovers. Perfect for a casual night out with friends. Interesting tidbit. Polygy opened in 2010 and has received numerous accolades for his pizza. He's soon to open in locations in a location in Hampton, Baltimore, Miami, Florida, and Columbus, Ohio. Personal fun fact. So I met Polly G through social media when he was starting to plan his pizzeria. He learned how to make pizza on his own, practicing at his home in New Jersey, where he has a small wood-fired oven in his backyard. So he was inviting food friends to sample his pies, and I was lucky to get an invitation. Polly's pizzas back then were amazing. They're still amazing. And he has such a genuine personality that I knew he'd be a hit. I actually always joke with him that he should do my PR. So it was great to see him. And another fun fact is Polly is the one who first brought me out here to Roberta's to try the pizza because this place inspired him. And when I was there the other night, he was wearing a Roberta's hat because he's just cool like that. So, the cost was $17, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Absolutely. Website is polyg.com. So, Cricket, have you been to Poly G's? <laughs> no, but now I, I'm, I'm salivating. It sounds delicious. I have, obviously, eaten Roberta's pizza, and it is absolutely looks nothing good. Yeah, Roberta's is one of my favorites, too, and, and you'll definitely have to, have to get out here at some point and, uh, and have some pie and visit us at Heritage. Because I'm sorry you couldn't make it to the studio day. But um, anyways, it's great to have you on the show. And it is time for the final question. So next week, my guest is Anthony Giglio. He's one of the most entertaining wine and spirits authorities on the planet, according to his website. And I know Anthony, and he is pretty entertaining. So excited to have him on. So Cricket, please, can you ask a question for Anthony? Absolutely. So, Anthony, my question is, uh, what wine and how much do you recommend parents consume to keep their sanity? <laughs> the how much part is, is, is the key to that question. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so... So that's yeah. that's the show. So thank you, thank you so much for for coming on and, and sharing about everything you're doing. I'm really impressed with 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 all that you do. Well, thank you, Sherry, and I, I wish you and your family a happy and delicious Thanksgiving tomorrow. Thank you. Same to you. 
So I've been speaking with Cricket Azima. She's the founder of The Creative Kitchen and Kids Food Festival. She's also the author of Everybody Eats Lunch and Everybody Can Cook. You can find more information about her at thecreativekitchen.com, at kidsfoodfestival.com, and on, Insta- on social media at Cricket Azima. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. And we are in our end-of-the-year fundraising drive here at Heritage Radio Network. We are a nonprofit and could use your support. So if you like what you hear here and on all of our programs please consider making a donation. No amount is too big or too small. You can go to heritageradionetwork.org, show some love by clicking on the beating heart that's at the top corner of the page, and your contribution will be tax deductible. So I thank you in advance. And since it's Thanksgiving, I would like to express some gratitude myself. Thanks to the team at Heritage Radio, including Aaron Fairbanks, Jack Inslee, Allison Hamlin, and my wonderful engineer, Liz Smith, you are all amazing. Fantastic to work with you. Also, thanks to my guests, to Cricket, to listeners, family, and friends. I wish everyone a wonderfully delicious and happy holiday. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I will be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.